First part of session 77, let's talk here about psychic reading once again, and some tarot, we'll get to the choice today. Most important card for me. Let's begin. So this session starts with a lot of questions, personal questions that were actually included in book three, book, book four we are in. <laughs> oh man, I forget already. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of questions, I think. It's all, yeah, it's not part of the uh, book five material. So we're gonna fly through those as much as possible. There are some nuggets of good information there. So we'll, we'll comb towards uh, through them. And then we'll get to the real question of value within the study of the law of one, which is a tarot. And that's the choice. So let's begin with the first question I have here. There's no introduction to anything, nothing to remember other than, um, yeah, let me just say this. Session 76 was done three months after session 75. So book three ended in session 75, three months, Carla had surgery, she recovered, I guess. And so mm, some of the stuff that we're gonna get here is about that. So let's, uh, let's read it. This is a couple of weeks, I think, after session 76. So you're, you'll start seeing, yeah, a week actually. So a week after session 76, they were taking their time to, take, to do sessions where it's before they were doing sometimes twice a day at the beginning. Then they changed to twice a week or three times a week or something like that. And so now it's getting more spacious in between sessions. So let's dive in with the first question that I have. It's done as usual saying, could you first please give me an indication of the condition of the instrument? Ross says it is as previously stated. Done questions, what's the instrument? was the instrument under attack just prior to the session. Ross says, this is correct. She was under attack. Don says, is there anything that we could do to help protect the instrument from these attacks prior to the session? And Ross says, this is correct. And Don asks, what could we do? And Ross says, your group could refrain from continuing this contact. So here's where I make the first pause uh, her condition was in a state of bankruptcy last time they spoke, which must be something, uh, I would say, um, frustrating, I guess. I know for Carla it was, because she wanted to do the contact so bad, she took months to recover, and whatever she did, you know, she was still in a physical um, weak state. Right, so it must have been very frustrating, I can imagine. So yeah, in this session, she was there, even after a week, she was there still um, weak, very weak. If there, even after a week, she was still very weak. Please don't laugh at that. So yeah, that, that was her situation. And then Don, see Don is always asking, uh, what can we do 
you know, to improve the contact and her health and situation and everything. And finally, Ra says, you know, your group could refrain from continuing this contact. That's that's the the one thing that that they could do that they're not doing. And actually, I'll read the next question, which kind of finishes this um, this part where Don says, "Is that the only thing we could do?" And Ra says, "That is the only thing you could do, which you are not already attempting." With a whole hearts so when you are in a position to do um, to serve I think this applies to to so many things when you are in a position to serve you can only serve with what you have you know and your capability is limited of course by your experience and your uh, it, it has nothing to do with the will to serve. You know, you're limited by the capacity that you have to provide a certain um, service. Let's call in this case information. Or to give you just a very um, simple, basic example would be for, let's say, you're advising somebody, you know, and I think all of you, I'm sure all of you can relate to this. You are giving advice to somebody who doesn't know much about, uh, or actually knows some stuff about uh, spirituality, psychology, whatever you want to call it. I like to call it psychotherapy. And I think it's appropriate for all of you who are interested in the archetypical mind because that is psychotherapy. That is the pure psychotherapy, right? Um, so. All right, so imagine you're talking to somebody who you are a couple of steps ahead. And that's all it takes for you to, to help somebody <laughs> to be a step or two ahead or more. So you are only able to help them to the limits of your capacity. You see, and they're only able to be helped in the limits of their capacity to understand what you're saying. You see, so... Um, you would always get this idea that, can I do something else? Can I provide a different uh, approach to, to show them this? You see, because I know, and I want them to know what I know, the way I see things. Now, speaking from experience, because this is what I do for a living, um, this is an art. This is something that you do over time and that it refines and you just simply find various uh, avenues in which to go to the heart of the problem, you see? So it's normal for us to feel, I have to do better. I have to do better. I can I can do better. This person didn't understand what I said. Or, you know, they, I wasn't able to, um, to show what I wanted to show. But that's okay. You know, that's all you can do. I mean, at that moment, you did exactly everything you could do, and that's okay. The fact that you're able to reflect upon the experience, that's great because that actually gives you the, let's say, the, the landscape in which you can further refine your, um, your service, you see? So it's okay to 
to reflect on that. That's actually a healthy thing because it's showing you the capacity that you have, potential capacity in the near future. So more experience refines this. Now, if you, you can also get caught in the idea, which this is um, the victimhood mentality, which is okay. It's, it just needs to be um, revealed for what it is. You see the victimhood mentality derives its existence or its apparent existence from the capacity to project yourself in the future, meaning I could do better. And, you know, I'm, uh, I'm guilty of not doing better. That's where it comes from. And then also to, um, to do the same thing with the other person and say, well, this person doesn't know. Oh, this person seems to be very spiritual or very knowledgeable or very intellectual or very compassionate or whatever. We start to see their um, their blockages, right? That's another gift. That's a gift to see within the person. But we can get caught in the idea that, oh, I cannot help you because, you know, you just don't see it. Well, you're taking away your responsibility in that case or you're putting too much responsibility on yourself. See, and all you need to do is first come to terms that this is the best of the interaction between two people and that's it. Now I can see their blockages so I can be more skillful with my ways of um, expressing this or, and actually I can also see which ways I can do better. So this is all coming from I hope you can see the, the bigger picture here because it's it's something that we do um, all the time. See, we, we're always beating ourselves for not doing better. And we're also beating others for not, you know, doing better at understanding us. That's, um, that's probably a wrong approach to the landscape that is being presented to you for further improvement. And the only thing that improves is you, not the other people, okay? Uh, if other people improve because of you, that's only um, a side effect. <laughs> so I hope you can see what I mean. So in this case, I'm sorry I took a long example here. It's supposed to be a basic example, but I think it's a, it's a good, uh, it's good advice. Especially because we beat ourselves too much um, from our apparent mistakes. But you see, uh, that's what Don was asking, you know, can we do something else? And Ross said, you're doing everything, you know, uh, you're doing everything with your heart. There is just nothing else. You're worrying too much. If you think about what Ross said all the time is you're worrying too much. Stay within the love that you have for this type of working and everything will be fine. Or the other thing, of course, you know, <laughs> I love that Ra is very, I just love Ra, you know, they're just very precise in there. Okay, the only thing you can do that you're not doing is don't do this working. It's your choice, you see? Your love is gonna bring you to do the working, uh, so follow that. And I guess also to cover their bases to say, well, you can always stop doing this, you know, we don't, we don't need to be here with you. In any case, let's move to the next question. Question, oh yeah, I better read that, right? Question six is actually done having questions, three questions. 
He says, I have three questions that the instrument asked me to ask that I'll get out of the way first. She wants to know if the preparation for her hospital experience could be improved for the next experience, I guess for her, her next surgery. Ross says, all was done well with one exception. The instrument was instructed to spend space time contemplating itself as the creator. This done in a more determined fashion would be beneficial at times when the mind complex is weakened by severe assaults upon the distortions of the body complex towards pain. There is no necessity for negative thought forms regardless of pain distortions. This is actually huge. Let me see if there's more. There is more. Uh, should I read it all? I'm gonna read it all. So Ra says, to finish this, the elimination of such creates the lack of possibility for negative elementals and other negative entities to use these thought forms to create the worsening of the mind complex deviation from the normal distortions of cheerfulness, anxiety. <laughs> normal distortions of cheerfulness, like anxiety. Two extremes there. I love it. Um, okay. Um, it's beautiful. Okay, so the case was that um, Ra, I think they said before the surgery, um, spend time um, perceiving the self as the creator, right? They always say that. Um, now this hits a nerve in me, in the good sense, of course, my philosophical nerve <laughs> to talk about this because you see, it's it's going into the, the root of communing with the creator. Now I know this is something that in our modern society becomes very confusing, you see, because, and especially for me, let me give you my story first. For me to contemplate this self as the creator, I, I, I had a sense of, um, what should I call it? Um, not superiority, but um, falsehood, something. It, it was just weird for me to see me as the creator. So you see, it was, um, it was, it was feeling weird. I just couldn't feel as the creator because who is the creator? What image did I have the creator? I had none. I just knew that there was something that was the creator and that is everything, but I couldn't see it. So to see myself as that which I can't see was impossible. And I just couldn't, um, I couldn't do this part, you know, see myself as the creator. Now here's what I'll say. Everybody has their methods. Everybody has their way. And that's okay. That's fine. There are ways in which you can see the self as the creator. I can only give you mine, which is what I what I work with. This is what I I live with every day. The one thing that got me out of that mentality of seeing myself as the creator or not being able to see myself as the creator was to see who I truly was, who I am, what everybody is, what everything actually is. And that was the investigation in consciousness. This investigation in consciousness brought me to 
the experience or as I as I like to call it imperience right it's not external it's internal and so this imperience to me showed what it is to be conscious and to realize that everything appears in consciousness sounds simple but is the basis of reality nothing is outside of consciousness so everything is within consciousness this realization is it encompasses everything because if this is true then everything that we can think everything that we have read everything that refers to god and everything has to do with consciousness and so the fact that you are conscious gives you that gives you that possibility to see yourself as that whatever it is god creator source quantum field of possibilities whatever it's that that is the creator so for me is is just basking in the light of awareness it's just remaining there and recognizing that that's what I am. Now the implications of this are enormous, are infinite actually. And this is, this is why I am so excited to be doing this with people because it is so simple. You don't require a philosophy or metaphysics behind to understand who you truly are. It is so simple that a five-year-old or an 85-year-old person can actually do it and realize it without any requirements. So this is what was instructed to Carla, not what I do, but just whatever it is that you do, see yourself as the creator. I just gave you my example that I could never see myself as whatever it was because it was, there was nothing there. I couldn't see anything. I couldn't get an image of the creator. So I couldn't see myself as the creator. But once I recognized that that which I fundamentally am is the basis of everything. I mean, nothing exists out of this. And I, the I that appears to be me, this, um, this persona here, actually appears in consciousness as well. And consciousness has no qualities in the sense that it has no, uh, no form, it has no objective qualities, let's put it that way. So because it doesn't have any objective qualities that's the reason why I couldn't see the creator. I couldn't see myself as the creator. You could never see yourself as the creator. You can only see the creator, if that makes sense. So in this process, I, I found, which is amazing for me. Now, bear in mind that I was a Catholic kid who uh, completely abandoned religious uh, practices and anything at the age of 12 or so. Uh, my teenagers or my adolescence was when I completely abandoned this in the face of science because I wanted objectivity. And so I could never come to terms with that word that people called worship. Worship, even up until recently, worshiping for me was uh, just something that was like, oh, icky, you know, I don't want to worship me. Why would I worship something? But when I found this, and the feeling of just abiding in awareness, that is worshiping for me. I can only 
uh, ascribe worshiping to that feeling to me. Okay, so these instructions that were given to Carla were along these lines. And I know it because of what Rai is saying here. It matches perfectly my experience. Now, what do they say? So she didn't spend time contemplating itself as the creator, which I just explained in my own way. This done in a more determined fashion would be beneficial at times when the mind complex is weakened by basically pain in the body. Okay. When your mind is in pain, and I know this for a fact, and you abide in awareness, it is such a different thing to see pain as an appearance in consciousness. This doesn't mean that you, you, you stop feeling pain, but how you react to pain is different. And it is, it's, you know, the, the famous Buddha's uh, saying or quote where they say, pain is inevitable, suffering is optional. You see, so the mind goes from suffering to contemplating pain. It is such a beautiful thing. You know, we should all have this privilege. We should all have this capacity of dealing with physical pain within yourself, abiding as awareness. So there is no necessity for negative thought forms. You see, no necessity for negative thought forms, suffering, regardless of pain distortions when you are abiding in awareness. In my case, you can see the creator as something different. Uh, some people actually do with a specific, you know, saint or uh, Godhead or whatever it is. I think that's fine as long as you, because that's bringing you there. You see, whatever you do to see the creator is bringing you to that experience. It's just that I'm, I'm a scientist and I go straight into the feeling of it. And that's just how I feel comfortable, you see? So, uh, Ra continues and says, the elimination of such, of such, um, um, what do they say? The suffering, I'll just say the suffering, the, the, the elimination of suffering. There is no necessity for negative thought forms, regardless of pain distortion. So the elimination of this suffering creates the lack of possibility for negative elements, elementals, I'm sorry, and other negative entities to use these thought forms to create the worsening of the mind complex deviation. So basically to continue to distort your mind towards, uh, so what comes after suffering? Uh, you can get caught in uh, self-deprecation or victimhood, which I talked about already, uh, or any other exacerbation, I would say, of this suffering. You start uh, blaming life, you start blaming other people for whatever they cost to you, etc. This is some uh, pain gone awry, I would say. You see, so the elimination of such creates the environment. You see the landscape that I talked about for you to see yourself as you are. I, I, I wish I could teach this to more people because the effect that has done and that has caused in me this, uh, this realization is tremendous. I was telling my friend the other day that I am glad that I have some sort of, um, you should say containment, <laughs> that I can contain myself, which is not repression, because I know that this would be a little too much. 
I know I have this containment because otherwise I would just go on the streets and scream this. It is such a beautiful thing that everybody should be aware of. But of course, free will, <laughs> everybody's in their own clock, let's run, like Ra says. So I guess I'm grateful for my containment. But yeah, this, this would lessen or eliminate, right? It would create the lack of possibility for negative elementals and other negative entities. Now remember, in my philosophy, in my interpretation of this, there are no uh, spirits, ghosts that appear around you. These are not entities. The entities refer to thought patterns that are available within the mind complex of the totality, the totality of your beingness. So you have this vast um, database, right? And you associate yourself with those uh, thought patterns. So those are the negative entities to me are uh, thought patterns. And thought patterns, of course, exist in an infinite array of, um, they're potentially infinite, they're not infinite, but they're there, you know, from the astral planes all the way to sixth density uh, negative. These are all thought patterns. It's just one mind, okay? I, I just, if you are like me, I just don't want you to get caught in the idea that there is a possibility that there are demons outside of me that are causing this pain. You see, victimhood, uh, again, we don't want that. We want to be responsible and um, responsible doesn't mean negative in the sense of, oh my God, responsibility, I hate responsibility. Uh, no, it's you're responsible you know, for anything. You are the creator. You are responsible for your creation. So there is no possibility of these. This is why the highest meditation that exists, we call it Samadhi, but without the esoteric meaning of Samadhi, it's just abiding in awareness. Do that. It's my best recommendation. And um, Raj just puts it so beautiful here. I love it. So none of this would exist to use these thought forms to create the worsening of the mind complex deviation from the normal distortions of cheerfulness, anxiety, which you see, is it being anxious a bad thing? No, it's not. Is being cheerful a bad thing? No, it's not. They're just telling you something, you see? And to me, it's, um, it's, it's always something, you see, people think that being equanimous is um, it's being always happy, cheerful. That's not the case you are in a neutral state, so to speak. But that neutral state, if you can live it, you know that it's the purest form of existence. That's to be balanced. So cheerful and cheerfulness, anxiety to me are two extremes. Just like you can laugh um, and cry. Is that right? You can cry because sadness or happiness, right? So it's a, it's a mechanism. Anxiety and cheerfulness are the same thing, only that we perceive it differently. All right, let me move on with synchronistic numbers for you who love numbers. Question seven, session 77. Don says, the instrument would also like to know if the, what we call tuning, could be improved during times when we do not communicate with Ra for that communication. Ra says that which has been stated in regard to the latter question will suffice to point the way for the present query. So once again, <laughs> this is, uh, you see, I wish Ra would say this more often because that's just my weak point. <laughs> um, 
So Carla wanted to know if during the time that they were not doing communications with Rosso this whole uh, week, for example, what could she be doing better? Well, see yourself as the creator once again. That's what Ross says. That which has been stated in regard to the latter question will suffice the point to point the way for the present query. So basically, if you can abide an awareness as much as possible, that will give you the best results. This is, again, I can't help saying it. This is not a shameless plug. This is a pride, <laughs> a proud uh, plug. <laughs> um, just a happy one. I am so excited to be able to show people a way through this because it is everything. It really is the liberation of everything. Everything that you have in your mind. Just know who you are. So, yeah, I love that Ra uh, emphasizes this again. Just just stay there, you know, see yourself as the creator. And that's why I keep repeating that. To me, the biggest issue was that I could not have a picture of the creator. I couldn't. It wasn't until I realized that it was okay not to have a picture of the creator. So my problem was the solution, you see? As it often is the case with mystical uh, questions, if you follow my meaning, is that, <laughs> you know, the reason why you um, the reason why you're not in proof is the same reason why you want to improve, you see? So it always comes down to, to that. Uh, the reason why you don't know yourself is because you don't know that you are the knowing of the known. <laughs> uh, it's almost like a jigsaw puzzle uh, where the pieces are the same. <laughs> so, yes. Abide in awareness. Um, I think that's the only way I can summarize it. But let's move on. Don says, question eight. Finally, she wishes to know why several days ago her heart rate went up to 115 per minute and then she had extreme pain in her stomach. Was that an Orion greeting, it says, Carla said. Uh, Don was reading... Um, Carla's note, so that's why he says that at the end. Ra explains, although this experience was energized by the Orion group, the events mentioned, as well as others more serious, were approximately caused by the ingestion of certain foodstuffs in what you call your tablet form. Before we get into those tablet forms, because I have a couple of things to say about it, um, yeah, th this is going to connect with the next question, obviously. So I'm going to give my impression to this as part of the following expression, uh, impression on, on the same topic. So, Don or Carla wanted to know if this was psychic greeting. The fact that she got that heart rate. This sort of shows a little bit my idea of what this whole negative entities, Orion group, um, psychic attacks, and all is. Let me give you my my general view. First of all, I don't, it's not, I cannot believe that something else exists outside of me. So how I define myself 
will define the outer world, be that physical or metaphysical. I'll say that again. How I define myself will define my outer world. What I think is outside of me. So if I define myself as limited, as a person, as a soul, as a mind-body-spirit complex or whatever objective quality to myself, then I will be limited to that. And so there will be other things outside of myself. You see? So this is why the way I see myself as just being this knowing of experience cannot have something outside because anything that exists within the field of my experience is me. I need to collapse myself into an, an object, be that person, soul, uh, a star seed, a wanderer, whatever. Whatever identity I give to myself collapses into subject and then there must be an object. So if I don't do that, what happens? Well this happens the way I see the whole raw material in terms of entities I do admit that it is the natural reaction to see uh, negative entities as especially the way that vocabulary works the way this uh, this is written as seeing them something different than you something that is approaching you okay uh, but we don't do that with our thoughts. We don't say, oh, my thoughts are approaching me. You say, I have thoughts. I have thoughts. You see, I have entities, the same thing. Um, the reason why I say this is because the raw material has attracted a lot of people who are interested in talking about this um, etherical uh, planes of existence and astral projections and all of this which is something that requires its own exploration, but within the field of the law of one, non-duality, me as the creator, um, I cannot say, yes, there are entities that come and try to possess me. That makes no sense to me. It never had, never will. So if I can say anything about this, point of view is that it is limited to my own perspective and my perspective does not allow other entities to exist there is only one experience being had and I am one individualized point of this consciousness to experience it that's just how the creation works so rent off <laughs> uh, this Orion group we tend to uh, attribute a lot of the things that happen to Oh, so it's, it was the Orion group. This is another thing that I've gotten over the years with people saying, yeah, you know, my, my husband is from the Orion group. <laughs> I love that one. I love that one. <laughs> or, you know, uh, Orion has been attacking me in meditation and so on. There is a validity to say all of this because you're associating that which is negative, that which you see negative within yourself and you impress it upon your husband or your par partner or on, on your thoughts, you being immaculate, you see? So there is a psychological play here that I won't get into you know, the nitty gritty, but once again, you are becoming this pure being and all those um, things outside of you, those forms are either great or bad. You see, you're entering duality from even this point of view. 
it's a it's a very delicate uh, step, and that's why I don't want to go into the the deep portions of it. But if you simply say, well, everything that is happening is me, you see, and you see that yes, this is how negativity feels. I I am aware of that. I am aware of negativity. I am aware of pain. I am aware of everything. I simply am aware. I am not the victim. I am not the subject that experiences the object, even though that's how it appears to us, because that's the archetypical mind, which I won't get into, of course. <laughs> so I'm not qualified either. Um, but you see, as, um, as Ra explains, although this experience was energized by the Orion group, the experience can be energized by the negativity or the negative um, possibilities. The full consciousness can actually, um, the full in the card, tarot card. Sorry, I'm getting with the tarot here, so <laughs> there's going to be a lot of tarot mentioning. Um, so, yes, consciousness, this fool can be uh, attracted to that. You know, we, we do this all the time. You know, we get into negative thinking and, you know, uh, self-deprecation, like I said. <laughs> it's very common on us. Um, and so we get into happy thoughts and all these things. We're navigating it. It's fine. You know, that's energized by one confederation, happy thoughts, inspiration, negative thoughts and uh, negative activities and just this. You know, we are attracted to that because we are the creator. We're both. I hope this makes sense. And so it's okay, it's okay to be attracted. So one is energized. The, the experience of pain can be certainly energized by negative thoughts. We know this. Uh, but it's not caused by it, you see, uh, was energized as well as other uh, more serious were, were approximately caused by the ingestion of certain foodstuffs. And we'll, we'll get to that. So basically, she, she ate something that caused it and it can be energized. Your mind can be energized. Physical stuff happens. How is energized? How you... Uh, what kind of thought patterns you invite to yourself, that's your choosing, you see? Not what happens. What happens simply happens. And yeah, you it's catalyst, catalyst for growth. All catalyst is presented for you to make a choice. See, that's the purpose of catalyst, to provide experience to make a choice. And so we go into the process of the archetypical mind, the way I understand it. So let's move on. Related to this question, of course, Don says, can you tell me what these tablets were specifically? And Ross says, we examined this query for the law of confusion and find ourselves close to the boundary, but acceptably so. The substance which caused the bodily reaction of the heartbeats was called pituitone by those which manufactured. That which caused the difficulty which seemed to be cramping of the lower abdominal musculature but was in fact more organic in nature was a substance called spleen tone. This instrument has a physical body complex of complicated balances which afford it physical existence. Nice wording. Were the view taken that certain functions and chemicals found in the healthy, as you call it, body complex are lacking in this one and therefore simply must be replenished the intake of the many substances which this instrument began would be appropriate. My God, I have no idea what they said there. <laughs> uh, seriously, I don't. 
So let me start with the first paragraph, and then we'll we'll go into the second one. There's more after the uh, this, but okay. So, what tablets did Carla take? I guess this was part of of her supplements that she would take. Now it's funny because pituitone sounds to me like um, I don't know. The moment I read it, I remember my mom calling. Um, I think it was pitucina in Spanish, at least it was called, but they're all coming from the same um, core, right? And I know pitucina was something given to pregnant women to um, uh, to precipitate labor, to for them to give birth. And um, I actually like it more in Spanish. We say dar a luz, which means give light. I think that's actually beautiful. I never thought about it so profoundly. But yeah, give light. You're giving light to the world. A baby. Huh? Do we say that in English? I don't think so. Right? Anyhow, so pitucina is what I remember from my childhood. My mom explained this to me. It's like sort of injection. And that has oxytocin, which is the, the hormone, I suppose. I think it is. I'm not sure. Right, I think it is. Um, but in any case, it just precipitates um, labor, and so when I read this pituitone, I immediately thought about it. Now, this is the name, like Ross says, this is the name that those who manufacture this tablet give it. But I'm sure it has to do with this, uh, or it has oxytocin. So, well, heartbeat accelerated. You know why it, would, it was caused. <laughs> that which caused the difficulty would seem to be cramping on the lower abdominal musculature. So her ventral area um, was spleen tone. Uh, pretty sure it has to do with the spleen, uh, but and it has the same uh, ending tone. So that's usually what uh, manufacturers like to call their stuff, right? So why did I stop here? Because uh, just completely out of the law of one, just personal advice. Uh, be very aware of supplements that you buy. Please do your research. There's a couple of things, even within the, the limitations of, um, shall I call it FDA, which is just very loose. Um, hmm, they don't really care. <laughs> Let me put it this way. I, I don't think it's any surprise to say that the government doesn't really care about your, um, they don't really care about your your well-being. It's all about profit, okay? I'm not going into conspiracy theories here. We don't have to, that's just common knowledge already. Any <laughs> Anybody should know this. Now, why am I saying this? Because it's natural that the FDA would want the supplement industry to thrive, right? And if they apply the same thing that they do to the medical industry in certain things, then we wouldn't have a supplement industry, which is, billions of uh, billions and billions of dollars a year. Now, why am I saying this? Because the FDA would approve or say simply supplements can slap a label and say not FDA approved and that's fine for the FDA. It's uh, uh, as long as you're not killing people, but you can add things to it. How do I know this? Because I was a natural bodybuilder and as a natural bodybuilder, I always went with the supplements that were legal and I wanted to see what effects they had. 
Needless to say that I, in the end, or through a couple of years, I realized that I should not take any supplement, except for a few, which were so basic, you know, not even vitamins, to be honest. In fact, that's a whole another story, but I realized that the supplement industry could just do anything they want, especially with something called proprietary blend, which they didn't, they're not even allowed or not allowed, required to show you what's the amount of something. They have to list the ingredients, but they don't have to tell you how much there is in there. So all of this is very shady to me. That's why supplements in the end were, I had to do very, very thorough research myself to say, okay, creatine, I think was the biggest thing I took for the longest, and then I stopped taking it because creatine is just simple um, ATP. Let me not get there. Creatine monohydrate, by the way. <laughs> so yes, be careful of what you consume, you see, um, because they don't care. And even now, I won't even get into what is approved by the FDA <laughs> as medicine, because we know that a lot of that is just crazy. I'll give you an example. My, uh, she didn't even call it wife, Julie. My friend, my girlfriend, my wife, my everything, <laughs> Julie. She suffered from migraines and she went through a process of getting, you know, migraine, medicine, whatnot. And in there, we realized that all migraine medicine is not really for migraines. It's just things that were created for something else that they don't even know how it worked for epilepsy or for seizures or for something like that. And somehow, don't ask me why, they gave it to people with migraines and they reported that, oh, took away my migraine. We have no idea how these things are working and we yet we prescribe them, so... Yes, you know me and the medical industry, I have, I have one or two things to say about it. But my thing to say to you is, just do your research, be smart about it, don't take supplements just because they claim to do something. Okay. That's what was happening here with Carla, I think. It's just my biased opinion. And they say, oh, let me untangle this. This instrument has a physical body complex of complicated balances which afford it physical, which afforded physical existence. Ah. So basically, Carla has a very complicated body, <laughs> a system of balances. Were the view taken that certain functions and chemicals found in the healthy, as you call it, body complex are lacking in this one, meaning that if we allow to see ourselves that certain functions and chemicals that we deem healthy are lacking in the body, um, then simply, uh, and therefore simply must be replenished, the intake Okay, and because of that, we should replenish because, okay, I look at myself and I say, oh, I'm lacking a lot of things. Then simply, um, okay, the intake of many substances which this instrument began would be appropriate. Right, I think this is the reasoning, right? If we realize that uh, I need a lot of things, then the intake of many substances which Carla began taking would be appropriate. Now, Raw finishes and says, however, this particular physical body or vehicle has for approximately 25 of your years been vital due to the spirit, the mind and the will 
being harmoniously dedicated to fulfilling the service it chose to offer. Therefore, physical healing techniques are inappropriate, whereas mental and spiritual healing techniques are beneficial. Now, here's here's an, an interesting one, you see, because I may be wrong here, so take this with a grain of salt, but I believe that Ra is saying that, okay, so if you look at your body and you say, I'm lacking this, I'm lacking that, I'm not strong, I'm deficient, and so on, it is normal and appropriate to want to refill, you see, I'll give you a very simple example of this. Oh, you know, I am, um, I don't know, uh, I'm getting sick, so I'm just gonna get vitamin C, which does work, okay? Don't get me wrong there. But we start extrapolating that to a lot of things, you see, and, oh, I'm deficient in this, maybe I should do this more. Well, that's a natural thought, and it's okay, we can do that. But in certain cases, like this one in particular, as Ron is saying, um, she was more spirit and mind dedicated, not so much physical. So that's why Ra says physical healing technique techniques are inappropriate, whereas mental and spiritual healing techniques are beneficial. It's um, it's more complex than we think. Each one of us. So you know, not don't do any physical. No, that's all your call. You know yourself better than anybody else, right? So follow that, and yeah, just just question why you want to do things. Anyhow, let's move on. Let's move on. Question ten, Don says, is there any technique we could do that we have not been doing that would be beneficial for the instrument in this case? Ross says, we might suggest without faciousness too. Firstly. Let the instrument remove the possibility of further ingestion for this group of foodstuffs. Secondly, each of the group may become aware of the will to a greater extent. We cannot instruct upon this, but merely indicate, as we have previously, that it is a vital key to the evolution of the mind-body-spirit complex. So, Don again asking, can we do something else to make her better, right? Is that beneficial for the instrument? Yes. And Ross says, well, without humor or puns, I guess, or trying to be funny, faciousness. Two things. First, that the instrument remove the possibility of further ingestion of this group of foodstuffs, those supplements. Stop taking those supplements. You know, suggestion. <laughs> um, secondly, each uh, of the group, so Don, Jim, and Carla, Become aware of the will to a greater extent. <clears throat> if you become aware of your will, what happens? You start to realize why you have that will. You start to see... <clears throat> excuse me. You start to see why you have such an attention, an intention. See? Attention to intention. And there is a lot to be said there, you know. That's why Ra says we cannot instruct upon this, but merely indicate, as they have said several times, that it is a vital key to the evolution of the mind-body-spirit complex. Well, the way I can just interpret it here pretty quick is that you always have a will to live, right? Why is it that you want to live? Let's start there. As I forgot who said this, but the greater question is why do you not commit suicide? 
You see, that's the question. Why are you not committing suicide right now? Go into the answer to that question and you'll find your will to live. If you find the will to live, you start to see the environment around that will and you start to understand yourself better, you see? So yeah, become aware of the will to a greater extent. This is a complete um, mystical teaching right here. Become aware of your will. Why are you so, uh, um, why do you want to live? You know, what, what's your purpose? Why do you want to be alive? Why not kill yourself right now? You see, and I know this sounds harsh and you know too uh, strong and so on, especially for suicidal people. But then, you know, this is what suicidal people should and are probably guided to do. You know, find, you know, why is it that you want to do it? You know, why? What? What is lacking? You can do it. You know, in the same way. What do you feel is lacking? You know, pay attention to that. Put that suicide note on the side for a moment and just pay attention to that you know what is it that is causing you to do this what is the darkness that you cannot face you know what happens if you face it just do it you know die within yourself first die to everything that is happening around you and around you i mean your head your mind die to that and see how it feels and then look at the will to live that shines from there see once all those dark clouds are allowed to be and just yes allow them to be don't repress them just leave them be don't let them make you uh make choices you don't make choices out of that you make choices out of clarity so allow that those clouds to be so they, there can be clarity and then you can see the will to live you're shining you don't have to do anything about it it just shines in and of itself so, yes, becoming aware of your will is just another way of, of looking at yourself, to me, at least. Question 11. Don says, thank you. I would like to go back to the plan of this Logos for its creation and examine the philosophical basis that is the foundation for what was created in this local creation and the philosophy of the plan for experience. I am assuming that I am correct in stating that the foundation for this, as we have stated many times before, is the first distortion. After that, what was the plan in a philosophical sense? And so it's a very general question, of course. So Ra says, we cannot reply due to a needed portion of your query, which has been omitted. That is, do we speak of this particular logos? And so Don says, that is correct. I am asking with respect to this particular sub-logos, our sun, in creating the experience of its planetary system and those sub-logoi of it. Um, okay, so first of all, let's get to let's get to the question specifically. But first, can I make a note? <laughs> this is one of the very few uh, answers where Rob makes a, actually asks done something like uh are we talking about this particular logos note that in ross answer they almost never ask don a question so it's funny to see it here and funnier to see don respond just like Ra, saying that is correct <laughs> uh i think there was a, a little swapping there of personalities or personas i think that's cute anyhow wanted to mention it 
So Don is asking, uh, he wants to examine, right? Go back the plan of this logos for its creation. See, the generality was that it says this logos. Well, which logos? The galaxy? And examine the philosophical basis that is the foundation for what was created in the, this local creation and the, philosoph the philosophy of the plan for experience, right? So this is all archetypical mind. I am assuming that I am correct in stating that the foundation for this was this first, the first distortion. And so, okay, after the first distortion, what was the plan in a philosophical sense? Um, and so, yeah, Ra wanted to know, are we talking about this particular logos? I, the sun, in this case. They, and I think Don actually did it better when they said, when he said, this particular sub-logos, our sun, yes and in creating the experience of its planetary system and those sub-logoi of it, so us. It's these sub-logoi is referring to us. So it's the sun and then us. What was the philosophical uh, plan by the sun? And so Ra, let's read what Ra says. They say, this query has substance. We shall begin by turning to an observation of a series of concept complexes of which you are familiar as the Tarot. The philosophy wants to create a foundation, first of mind, then of body, and then of spiritual complex. Those concept complexes you call the Tarot lie then in the three groups of seven, the mind cycle, one through seven, the physical complex cycle, eight through 14, the spiritual complex cycle, 15 through 21. The last concept complex may be best term, may best be termed the choice, which I mentioned already. Upon the foundation of transformation of each complex, which with free will guided by the root concepts offered in these cycles, the logos offered this density, the basic architecture for of a building and constructing and synthesizing of data culminating in the choice. So, I mean, I am, like I said, no expert on the Tarot, but I can see a couple of things here that are uh, explained. And once again, you see the philosophical um, foundation made by the sun here is, um, how should I put it? It's, it's a deep study and that's the archetypical mind. Now, <clears throat> they're talking about the Tarot here. So, like I said, we're not gonna get into astrology or the tree of life, but we're gonna get into the Tarot. So I'll talk about that. First, I think this question, in a sense, can be said to be the beginning of the study of the Tarot within the raw material, because Don is interested in how this works. And it's, a, uh, it's, it's unfortunate that they couldn't uh, continue the sessions because this would have been the the biggest contribution. I mean, we're talking about psychology. I over the years I have favored the term psychology over spirituality because spirituality is so vague. It is just so you know anything can be spiritual and so on. Whereas psychotherapy, psychology is more about the mind. And funny enough, existence is all about the mind. You see, mind precedes everything. Uh, in the creation, I mean, in the creation. Consciousness precedes anything. But the mind precedes anything within the creation, or actually the mind is the structure of creation. 
So alright, the study of the mind, very deep, we'll get to that in as best as I can, of course, in this series and within the raw material. So Ra says, um, let's get into the Tarot. That's what they said at the beginning. The philosophy was to create a foundation, first of mind, then body, then spiritual. Complex, right? That's what the Tarot was. These are done in sevens, right? That's what Ra calls the octave. In Within the Tarot, they call it octaves too. So these concept complexes you call the Tarot lie in three groups of seven. There is the mind, the body, and the spirit. The mind is one through seven. The body is eight through 15, right? Eight, to, eight through 14. And the spiritual, uh, 15 to 21. The last one being the choice. And this is either 22 or zero. It's interesting that it lies on um, on the ends. You know, it could be uh, zero, could be 22. The last one, it's the beginning and the end. You can call it that, the alpha and the omega. That's why I love the choice more than anything. It's my favorite card, I think, the fool. That's just, it speaks so much about the, the truth, the reality of what we are. Whereas the mind is simply this, you know, I don't even think the, the choice, <laughs> of course the choice is an integral part of the tarot, but it stands on its own. It's, uh, it, it's not, it doesn't depend on the others, as far as I understand it. So, um, in any case, upon the foundation of transformation of each complex, I think transformation, if we look at each of the seven, so start looking at the tarot, in rows of, are those rows? Yes, rows of seven, right? You have uh, mind, body, and spirit. Each has seven. Seven, seven, seven. Funny enough, we're on session 77. Um, <laughs> love it. Um, so 77, oh God. Uh, seven, 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 that's 21 cards. And then 22 or zero is the fool or the choice. Now, in each of them, let's just get one row, the mind cycle, starts from, uh, let me see if I'm getting, getting them right. There is matrix potentiator, uh, catalyst experience, right? Those four are important. And over time, you'll see that we will study them in pairs compared to the other ones and uh, then combine with the other, uh, uh, the other parts of the cycle because there is a, uh, I like uh, Joe Dartis, Joseph Dartis. Uh, I kind of got it into his material. I would recommend Joseph Dartis for, for you to get into the Tarot. I think it's the only one that I'm aware of that has done a lot of uh, study. And even he himself says, I don't know anything. <laughs> this is the best I can do. So I, I love him for that. And he, Again, I'm not a big student of the Tarot and I've only browsed his material, it's very heavy. Uh, but uh, you can Google it. I, I, I'll probably forget to put a link here, but you can Google him. Uh, Joseph Dartes with a Z at the end, Z. Um, so yeah, he, I think he calls it minor cycle and then major cycle, something like that. But the minor cycle being the first four, right? Um, so there is Significator, which sort of stands in the middle, right, of all. Uh, significator and Mind, Body, and Spirit. 
And then there is transformation and uh, the great way, I think. Yes, the great way. Um, so we have transformation is what Ra is calling here. Upon the foundation of transformation of each complex with free will guided by the roots concept offered in these cycles, the Logos offered this density, the basic architecture for building and constructing and synthesizing of data culminating in the choice. So this whole cycle seems to go into the choice. It all feeds into the choice um, because the choice is um, is the, the persona here, is the actual uh, living uh, self, let's call it that way. It's the, the actual total self, um, if I get it right. I don't know. That's how I see it, though. So in a nutshell, they describe mind, body, spirit in Tarot, or the cycles. And then they went from each of these. There, There is the foundation, right, which is the first four, the significator being the one that is sort of synthesizing all of this and then going to transformation in a great way. Uh, again, this is a cycle. It's not something separate. I wish I could give you more information, but I don't have it. So I'm going to cover one more, and then we'll call it quits for today. We cover more than half a session. Let's go. Don says, then for me to condense your statement, I see it meaning that there are seven basic philosophical foundations for mental experience, seven for bodily, seven for spiritual, and that these produce the polarization that we experience sometime during the third density cycle. This may be very poorly stated on my part. Am I close to correct? Ra says, you are correct in that you perceive the content of our prior statement with accuracy. You are incorrect in that you have no mention of the, shall we say, location of all these concept complexes. That is, they exist within the roots of the mind. And it is from this resource that their guiding influence and leitmotifs may be traced. You may note, or further note, that each foundation is itself not single, but a complex of concepts. So, um, yes, let's, uh, let's dive into this. First, Don's statement was quite accurate in the sense that um, he sees a philosophical foundations for mental, physical, and spiritual experience, right? That's all we experience. All our experience is either physical, mental, or spiritual, or a combination of them. So, yes, that's that's perfect. But then Ra expands. I don't. I wouldn't say he was incorrect. Just that he lacked mentioning that the location of all of these complexes are in the roots of the mind. So this is why the, the roots of the mind, this is something that I mentioned in the last video, the roots of the mind go all the way down to intelligent infinity, right? It goes down to pure consciousness. So if we go down the roots of the mind, at some point we will find the archetypical mind. But beyond that, we will find the cosmic mind, which is more general. You see, I cannot share the same archetypical mind as someone in another planet, in third density, of course, or another galaxy and so on, but we do share the same quality beyond the roots of the mind, and we can access that. That's why I have said, again, no, um, 
I'm not saying that it's not um, it's not necessary to study the archetypical mind, but it's not necessary. <laughs> but I am saying it. <laughs> I'm saying that there is something beyond that we can get in touch with that is pure, right? And in a way precedes the archetypical mind. So this is one thing that I differ um, from. Some people may say, no, the archetypical mind is everything. We must study it so we can understand ourselves. I think that's fine. I I just don't believe in the structure or I, I cannot believe in this knowing that the structure goes all the way down to intelligent infinity. Making contact with intelligent infinity is beyond the archetypical mind. So just leaving it out there. I don't have to convince you out of anything. So all of this uh, is in the roots of the mind. Um, and it is from this resource that their guiding influence and leitmotifs may be traced. Of course, everything that we are obviously comes from layers, right? And so we are guided by the archetypical mind for sure. You may further note that each foundation is itself not single, but a complex of concepts. So yes, the matrix is not just one single thing. It's made of a lot of stuff. And yeah, just like, for example, the significator is, in essence, the unconscious or subconscious, subconscious and unconscious mind. You see, this is that process, that database that exists there to potentiate the, the matrix. So it gets, it gets really deep. So uh, let's read the last part that Ra has. Actually, two more parts. Ra says, furthermore, there are relationships between mind, body, and spirit of the same location in octave, for instance, 1815, and relationships within each octave which are helpful in the pursuit of the choice by the mind, body, spirit complex. So I think these relationships uh, are important. Well, first of all, they are, when they mention 1, 8, and 15, they're talking about matrix of mind, body, and spirit. I repeat, uh, one, they're referring to the matrix of the mind, eight, the matrix of the body, 15, the matrix of the spirit. So there are relationships there between these, obviously, the matrix of the mind, the matrix of the body, the matrix of the spirit, they share a commonality. So it's important to, um, to study them in relation to each other. It does, does provide some good insights and relationships within each octave, which are helpful in the pursuit of the choice. So there are relationships within, say, one through seven. There are relationships between, say, matrix and potentiator, relationships between uh, catalyst and experience, and of course, relationships between those four and significator. You see, and the significator with, in relationship with transformation and gateway, uh, great, great way, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Uh, so it's important to study them in that way too. These are tips for studying the archetypical mind with the Tarot, by the way. So take note. Ra finishes and says, the logos under which these foundations stand is one of free will. Thusly, the foundations may be seen to have unique facets and relationships for each mind-body-spirit complex. Only 22. The choice is relatively fixed and single. <laughs> I love it. Yes, of course, the choice is relatively fixed and single. So uh, the logos, 
um, stands, okay, so our sun is one that respects free will a lot, right? So it wants a lot of free will, total free will to its facets, to itself, to us, to us mind-body-spirit complexes. So in essence, there is, it's not limiting ourselves. <laughs> it's not limiting itself in, it, in ourselves, in our iterations of itself, <laughs> if that makes sense. Thusly, the foundations may be seen to be, to have unique facets and relationships for each one of us. So each one of us will have, uh, I think this is what it's saying here, the foundations may be seen to have unique facets and relationships for each one of us, my body spirit complexes. Only 22, the choice is relatively fixed and single. Because the choice to me represents what is consciousness, the one self, you see, that's why it's called the fool. And it's easily relatable to the qualities of consciousness, naive. Um, what else is consciousness? Uh, is not only naive but uh, spontaneous is it's like a child you know foolish child that's what we are and at the core see but experience starts to uh, stain things stain in the way of coloring see and so that's the interaction between the choice and uh, the rest of the archetypical mind so i wish i could expand more on this in the future as we go through more and more of this again i cannot offer through this series alone any uh, valuable study of the archetypical mind the first one is because like i said and i'll, I'll keep mentioning i'm not 100 percent into the archetypical mind i know enough to understand it superficially and within that i can give you you know, a catalog of what is being presented and maybe my ignorance, my lack of information can um, incite you, inspire you to study more or to not. <laughs> That's fine. Um, I will say that, of course, as I said in the last video or the last session, it's not imperative. You don't have to study the archetypical mind. You're fine the way you are. This is just for nerds who would like to go deep into it. And yeah, I'll probably get as deep as my my interest gets me into and I'll share that. So that's it, conclusions. Um, I think we touch here on something that is it's very dear to me, which is the, the exploration of consciousness, like I said. You'll see that most of my conclusions are uh, touched by by this knowledge. E even if I look back when I started the Law of One uh, series, and I had no idea of this, I, I was I wasn't aware that I was aware. <laughs> if that makes sense, um, I just wasn't aware of the power of knowing who you are and exploring that and investigating and just reciting there that to me is worshiping the only worship i can think about and i talked about this already but i i just want to repeat it the only feeling of worship because worship is something that you feel in yourself that you see you say i i just can't i can't describe it you know you have to discover it yourself but i only found it there when there was no 
no objectivity, nothing. It's just that, that which is us. It is the foundation of us, rocks, planets, uh, people, thoughts, everything. It's the foundation of everything. We cannot say the same out of anything else in our experience or creation. Nothing. Everything is limited or is it resides there. This is our home. Consciousness is our home. So exploring that is the only thing that really matters to me. Why? Because the only thing that matters to me is harmony. Yes, we can um, raise an argument to, well, everybody has their own interest into what we can do and what we're interested. And the only thing that matters, you know, it's, it's very final game and so on. Yes, but in the pursuit of happiness, which is not even a pursuit, is a, it's a foolish endeavor to pursue happiness because you are it. So you, you're not seeking happiness, you're seeking yourself. And so in the, the so-called pursuit of happiness, uh, harmony, um, love, peace, beauty, truth, all these things that pervade our experience and our seeking, yes, there is nothing else but to seek consciousness, awareness, the foundation of what we are, whatever you want to call it, you. I like to call it, with my students, I just call it you. You're exploring yourself. Call yourself God, consciousness, whatever. I don't care. Whatever you call it is you. It's the only thing that you're aware of. It's you. So I, I go into this because it is the most beautiful thing I've ever found that is just immaculate, imperturbable. So I... This is what I do. I've mentioned it before. Uh, if you're interested in working with me, I'm going to leave a link to my um, calendar so you can book a call. We can talk about it. You see, the benefit that you have been studying with me all this time is that we speak the same language. Let me repeat this. I, I work with people who don't have the same language and that's actually fine because it's it, in a way, it's easier because they don't carry over, you know, all these um, these doubts. But it helps a lot to put into context and perspective all these things that we have in common. What makes it even a little bit more difficult for me is people who come with another philosophical point of view. And that's a challenge to me, you know, that I accept. But it's easier for me to talk to people who I can call brothers. <laughs> in the law of brothers and sisters of the law of one. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's something, it's my service. It's my way of showing you that everything is fine. Everything is perfect. You are okay. That all we need to do is just bask in that light of awareness, like I said. Why is that important? Well, we can discuss it. In any case, that's all I got for today. Uh, we have more raw material uh, i think we're gonna get more into the prevailing conditions i think veil mm, choice we have more choice to talk about so more tarot more veil this is all gonna get into this discussion this is book four man we're getting there so, all right next part it's gonna be second part session 77 thank you so much for being here i appreciate you and i'll see you in part two